0: Creepy hazmat dolls, Ford is God, and that's not Orion. On this episode of The Pour Over, we share our experiences of what makes a bad brew and hash out the next episode of Westworld, Dissonance Theory. Let's go. Hey friends, and welcome to The Pour Over
1: podcast, hosted by myself, Bill, and Joe. Each week, we bring you our thoughts on a certain episode of a TV show, and most importantly, chit-chat about the very thing so many
0: of us depend on each morning, coffee. So how's it going, Joe? It's all right, man. It's uh, it's going pretty well. How are you?
1: Good. Uh, this upcoming week is my last week of the summer before school starts up, so just trying to enjoy that. Although uh, I, I think I might have a hard time <clears throat> waking up and getting back in the swing of things, but overall pretty good.
0: Yeah. Well, you sounded pretty optimistic. Yeah, you
1: know, uh, this past week I may have woken up an hour and a half after my alarm almost every single day. <laughs> but pretty optimistic. I'll be all right.
0: Just pop some melatonins before you go to bed and you'll be good. Oh, that's right. And in the morning, drink my coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anything new with you with coffee pickups?
1: Yeah. Um. Maybe not so much a pickup, but a coffee gift, perhaps. Oh. Uh, yeah. Friend of the show, Matthew. He actually just started doing some home roasting himself, and he gave me a sample bag, mm-hmm. and I, I tried it out today. So I was actually really impressed. Um I, I don't know. I, I think I, I had lower expectations because I was, like, home roasted. I'm not really sure how that goes. But, yeah, I tried sure. it, and uh, it was pretty solid, I, I, I think. I had a good, like, brightness to, to the taste. And uh, as I was drinking it, I was like, Man, this is better than that that first bag that we talked about on our first episode. When I was like, oh, "Oh, that wasn't very good," um, and th- th- this is yeah. better, even though he you know he made it at home, but yeah. So mm. I might be interested in that home roasting. Um, so we'll see. he, wow. he kind of introduced me to this whole other world of coffee that I can spend my money on.
0: Yeah what what are the supplies? What do you need to get started?
1: Yeah, it's actually super simple. Um, I'll I link it in the show notes. He, he sent me this. I, I don't really know how to explain it, but it's kind of like this ceramic device with a hole on the top where you, you put the beans in, and you just cook it mm-hmm. on the stovetop. Like you, oh, wow. much, you just cook the beans. Uh, you keep agitating it and moving it around, and, um, but that's about it. And then he also sent me this coffee book that he uses that kind of explains the whole process gives you pictures of the different colors as the the beans progress through the roast so i think that that's about it it seemed pretty simple and it wasn't too expensive i think the little roaster that he has was like 30 bucks um but then he said the coffee you can buy the green beans for super cheap so in the
0: long run it could save you Mm. some money right that probably gives you some flexibility for making your own blends, going out and finding your own coffee growers. I mean, that seems like a whole nother world.
1: Yeah, man. I, I drank it. I told him it's like time to uh, quit school and start that coffee business. Um,
0: <laughs> and we'll we'll host like a podcast show so we can promote his coffee beans. Oh wait, we already have one. Hey. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's what's going on for me. Uh what about you, man? That's really cool. Um I picked up a couple of things recently just because I was feeling kind of bad about my brews and I wanted to upgrade them mm-hmm. and it's always an excuse to were I don't know buying new things is kind of <laughs> uh what you do when you feel like you're not doing very well with what you have. So um I picked up a Kalita Wave Ooh. the 185 stainless steel and then I picked up a um the Hario Skirton Pro grinder. Mm. But um I'll probably talk about that next week. I think I've been really taking in some of the uh constructive criticism of our listeners. Sure. And I think I'm a compulsive rambler sometimes. Well <laughs> Don't you think so, too? Like, for yourself? I think this show's, like, taught me how much I can ramble, especially when I get really kind of riled up about a topic. I'll just go on and on. Mm-hmm. And then, like, my cadence starts to get faster and faster, kind of like it is right now. <laughs> and kind of get aggressive with, like, my words. Not, like, in a mean way, but just kind of like, oh, and this and that and this and, and just, like, kind of snowball. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is uh, I don't want to pay for Toastmasters. I just want to do this podcast so and get better at speaking.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's hard. It's We're just getting out there and starting, but I think overall it's okay. But I feel you. It's, uh, I think, some like half of the time I can be thinking, kind of like I am right now maybe, and uh, externally processing the words, and it just kind of goes on for yes. a little bit. So I, I feel you.
0: It's a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But, uh, excited to hear about that coffee gear next time.
0: Yeah. It, um, it's been, it's been fun. I think it actually makes, um, me feel like I want to brew more coffee of my own. Like I told you last week, I've been kind of on a coffee shop binge, Mm. just being lazy and just kind of like, oh, well, I'll just, I'll just buy my cup today. Uh, but Buying new gear kind of gets you inspired to mm. get better. So that's kind of been my M.O. Yeah. That's good.
1: And that's also, I mean, yeah. it's just always nice to have new stuff.
0: Yeah, it's nice. Treat yourself. Mm-hmm. All right. So for our coffee topic of this week, uh, we wanted to talk about how you know a brew is bad. And... You know, we're not really talking about buying bad beans or having really old beans. I mean, although some of those things do come into play, I think this is when you go through your whole process and then you drink the coffee and you're like, oh, it tastes like this. Is that bad? Is that good? Um, And I think as you drink more coffee, you learn to kind of uh, pick up on certain adjectives that describe good or bad coffee. But also you have this guttural feeling inside you like, okay, that's not exactly what I'm looking for as far as um, just a coffee to to, to drink. Uh, to drink, yes. So, um, uh, Dil, I guess I'm just asking you, what, what kind of flavors or what kind of adjectives come to mind whenever you drink a poorly brewed cup of coffee?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, coffee is largely subjective in taste and whatnot, but mm-hmm. um, I think there are a couple of things that just people generally use in terms of adjectives, like too sour, too bitter, um, not strong enough, kind of like watered down and stuff. Yeah. So it's one of those, like, when you drink it, you know it. And um, and when it's better, you can also taste the difference, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, yeah, what what about you? What what defines a bad cup for you?
0: I think for me, the least um pleasing cups are those that are watered down, mm. like you just said. Stale is another word I would use to describe mm. a bad cup of coffee. Airy, like just kind of kind of flat and featureless. Um, I actually do like acidity, although mm-hmm. it can be hard to differentiate from sourness um and that's something I think I'm just gonna have to get better at mm-hmm. but you're right, it is subjective you know for yeah. someone who may feel like a cup of coffee is sour, another person might feel like it's acidic or for someone who feels like a cup of coffee is tea like Another person might think a tea like quality is good
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, when I was in Taiwan um, at a coffee shop the tea uh, the coffee they served me was very tea like the The color was not dark like a lot of the coffees that I see on YouTube, watching Seattle coffee gear when i 'm at Starbucks getting that Pike place. Mm-hmm. I feel like our coffees in the West are typically a lot darker. Than the coffees they're brewing in the East. That might just be kind of a uh, very early hypothesis I have about mm. coffee around the world. But when I tasted this brew, and it was, um, I think it was an Ethiopian, it tasted very tea like. It looked very tea like. And I liked it. It was floral, it was fruity. Uh, but it was also not watery. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, so how have you remedied bad cups of coffee? Or do you just toss it? <laughs> uh, I'm cheap,
1: so I don't toss. Um, but I think I, think I find <laughs> right myself answer. sometimes subconsciously like avoiding the cup if I know it's not good. Like I I'll just like yeah. start doing something else and then the coffee will just go cold and like sit there for a long time. It's cause I, I don't wanna go back and drink it and be reminded that I, I messed up. But oh. um yeah, so the you know, the topic we're talking about today, uh, to remedy the bad bruise is something that we call the coffee compass. Well not we call but mm. we we got this from online, from Barista Hustle. It's this online community mm-hmm. for coffee professionals. And usually, um, I think when people start getting into specialty coffee and whatnot, they talk a lot about, like, taste notes. Um, those are some things, like, you know, like, caramel or, like, blueberry or maybe, like, almonds or something, mm-hmm. or even tea, like you were saying. And um, sure. I, I think those are pretty accurate. But at the same time, they can be subjective, like... Uh, I might just think it tastes like blueberry, but someone else might think it tastes like something else. So I think that's difficult mm-hmm. in the beginning to kind of understand. So I think using more generic like adjectives helps, um, kind of like mm-hmm. we we're saying, like you know maybe that's watery or is really bold or I don't know, delicious or something. In terms of just helping me mm-hmm. understand what it's like, and that's what this coffee compass does. Um, it basically mm-hmm. like a compass, you know, north. East, south, west, Um kind of has okay. that little cross. And then on the left and right, which is, you know, like east, west, it has extraction, which is um, under extraction and then over extraction. Uh, over extraction is on the right side. And then has a bunch mm-hmm. of adjectives there. And then the north and south, they have strong and weak. So that's kind of the mm-hmm. the ratio, how much coffee there is to water. And strong is to the north, weak is to the south. But um, they kind of just use those four main adjectives and then fill in a bunch Mm -hmm. of other adjectives around it that kind of fall within those four quadrants. And then in the middle, there's a big green circle that is the good stuff, basically, depending what you want. Yeah. So usually if I have some new beans or something like that, I'll uh, brew it, kind of have like my generic brew uh, process, you know, take a few sips, take a look at the compass, be like, where does it fall on here? And then what's helpful Mm -hmm. is, like, it basically tells you how to move the coffee further into another, like, quadrant in it. You know, you you want to add some more coffee, make it stronger, extract it more, extract it less. Interesting. Um, And it just kind of lines up with those adjectives. So I think that's pretty helpful. Sure. Uh, Yeah.
0: Wow. Have you used this coffee compass before?
1: Uh, Yes, I have. I, I come back to it pretty often because it's pretty simple, but also really helpful. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's one of the most hmm. useful tools I currently have in terms of brewing coffee.
0: Yeah. Can you give us some examples of um, negative and and kind of good, or is it negative and positive? Negative and positive flavors? Um, yeah, sure. Let's take a look.
1: So, uh, like I said, it's, a, it's just a big list of different um Adjectives and whatnot. So outside of the green circle, there are things like dry, mm-hmm. bitter, um, or even like sour, bland, you know, those type of things that just aren't really pleasing. Yeah. But then within the green circle where you want to be, there's, you know, tasty, sweet, buttery, uh, big. And and the, the green circle itself is pretty varied, I guess, Um so yeah. that kind of also lends itself to your personal preference. Cuz the circle uh, is a pretty okay. wide um area, so kind of depending what kind of adjectives you're looking for, you can kind of adjust right. your brew instead of being like, "Oh, I can't really taste those blueberries." You're like, "Well, uh-huh. I don't know what to do, man." Uh but this kind of helps you like, "Oh yeah, it's really it's really faint. Uh let me uh-huh. increase the amount of coffee I'm using,
0: you know, move it up the uh-huh. coffee compass." Okay. Yeah, huh. Well, um, do you want to play a game? <laughs> yeah, man, sure. <laughs> I said that in the least intimidating, s- scary way ever. Um, you know, like it's not like the Saw movies. This one, um, in th- in this game, I'm going to give you uh, two negative flavors, and based on um, that information, I want you to give me um, the ways in which you will move on that coffee coffee compass, excuse me, to get to positive flavors, to get back to the green. Um, so you know, as far as the directions go, you can either say more or less coffee and or extract more or less and you get bonus points if you share how you get to those directional moves for example if you want to say use more coffee then you would describe you know decreasing the water weight and increasing your coffee dose so like like putting an extra scoop in your coffee you know just you know have fun with it um bonus bonus points if you can then describe some new more positive flavors that might fall on that axis that you moved on. You know, you know what I'm saying? And ultimately, this is just kind of a thought experiment for fun. Um, so <laughs> you actually studied it, you know. So before this podcast, we're like, "Alright, deal. Study that coffee compass. You know, you're going to you're gonna do you're gonna do great. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I studied it hard
1: enough, but you know, just took a, good, <laughs> a good glance. So this might be be outing me as someone that that doesn't know what the coffee tastes like. But yeah, let, let's play the game. Let's try it out.
0: Oh, I feel like we already outed ourselves by the first episode. That's very true. Um <laughs> Alright, um Let's go. So you just brewed a cup of coffee, and let's just say you brewed it. Uh, Via French press, and it came out soupy and bitter. What are you gonna do? And bitter. Uh, So the bitter is probably over
1: extraction, and I think Mm -hmm. the soupy probably means it's too strong. So with that, bingo. I think what you gotta do is decrease the coffee or increase the water, whichever one you wanna do, and then decrease Uh the brew time. Uh, basically, mm. or make the grind size larger, so it mm. won't extract as much, and i will move you uh, kind of a southwest kind of direction on the compass. I
0: think. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. Ding 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 ding. Hey. Way to go, man. Um. Any Any ideas of what the flavor profile could be for bonus points? Um. Delicious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. Oh, all right. that's all I got. <laughs> you ready for number two? Okay, sure. Alright. So once again, you're working the French press. Okay. And this time, your cup of coffee comes out powdery. Okay, it's just one. Just uh, one descriptive. Powdery. What are you going to do? I think... I think
1: that one is over-extracted and weak, perhaps. I'm I'm pretty sure on the over-extracted. So with that one, um, lessen the brew time again, or make the grind size bigger. And then... I, I don't know about the week if that's 100% true, but if, if, if it is, then I would add a little bit more coffee, but I'd, I'd, I feel not confident in that one, so,
0: uh-huh. Well, hats off to you, Mr. Dylan Bowie. You got it right. It is oh. definitely overextracted. It's probably the farthest on that spectrum. Okay. And you were right in your coffee instincts that it is certainly not weak. It is kind of more towards the middle. Okay. So you are spot on, my
1: friend. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I don't, Very I good. don't think I've ever had a powdery cup of coffee. and um, I don't know what that'd be like, but that does not sound good.
0: No, but I, I felt like it would happen if you brewed a French press really badly. Hmm. Like you might get a lot of silt. I don't know if that's what powdery means. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, Ooh. All right, you ready for third and final round? All right, let's try it out. Okay, this is a double. All right, this is, a, this is a double play here. You are making a pour over. And let's just say we're using a Chemex. It doesn't really matter because your coffee comes out soupy Uh, I'm sorry, where do you got soupy? Because your coffee comes out sour and watery. Mm, What do you do? Okay, okay. So sour, that means
1: under-extracted. You you didn't let it brew for long enough. And then, uh, what was the second one again? Watery. Watery. So not enough coffee. I think, um, I mean, since we're going with the idea of the Chemex... I think what you need to do with that is basically just make the grounds finer so that the water won't run through as fast. And then um, mm-hmm. that will extend the brew time, so extend the extraction time. And because it's, it's more fine, it'll, it'll make it a little bit more extracted. So uh, increase extraction. Um, I think I would just go with that, actually. Yeah.
0: Woo killing two birds with one stone way to go Dylan Louie yeah, yeah hitting that coffee grind size you got it exactly right sour ex- is exactly on that under extracted spectrum and watery you are correct that is closer to the weak side you are a coffee genius Ooh. my friend Ooh, thank you thank and you, you have <laughs> certainly gotten very familiar with a coffee compass yeah it's
1: definitely helpful So like your prize so. oh oh no yeah go
0: ahead yeah Oh no, I was I was just gonna give you your prize. I mean you want your prize. Oh, oh prize? Okay. Well what, what what we got? I'm sending you a sample of third wave water, my friend, Ooh. coming in the mail. It's just uh it's just one little packet, so I mean just blend it with your gallon of distilled water, and you will get a perfectly balanced collection of minerals in your water for brewing your next cup of coffee. Oh wow, okay.
1: Well, thank you, thank you. You like that little
0: curveball? Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: I actually, yeah, I did not know about that, (laughs) so I'm actually interested to try it out. I've never tried it. I'm, I'm a little skeptical of something called third wave water, but you know, We'll, we'll, we'll we'll try it out and report back.
0: I think Gail likes it on Seattle Coffee Gear. Oh yeah, interesting. Yeah, go check that one out very nice very nice I can close the compass if you want me to try one okay yeah or you can move on okay alright I'm ready
1: for the game host right here yeah
0: mm. The student shall
1: become the master. All right. So you, you know, you're using the French press. Make your coffee for the day. Pour it out. Drink it. You just make a really displeased face because it tastes really Mm. slender and sparse.
0: (laughs) Slender and sparse. Okay. So just just thinking out loud here. Slender to me is kind of the opposite of of big so I would and if big is on the strong end of things I would say slender you want to get more strong so you would probably want to um oh geez I can't even remember the moves I mean you will want to move towards strong so maybe um, decreasing your grind size um, But then working on the, um, was it slimy? Uh, slender and sparse. What was the other one? Sparse. Sparse, I would say. Oh, that's a really tough one. That term is very nebulous. Sparse. Uh, well, when something is sparse, there's not very much of it. So you're probably not getting a lot of flavor or notes so I would say that is <clears throat> probably under extracted. So you're really weak and under. So um, yeah, I would say like increase brew time and um, and uh, decrease grind size. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty good, man. Pretty Am close. I I, I I threw you a
1: curveball a little bit there. Oh. because um, I I picked two that are right next to each other. So, oh. Okay. Um, so slender and sparse are definitely on the weak side. So you you got that when you're talking about like oh Slender's opposite of big. Uh, that was spot on yeah. for sure okay Um, the extraction is a little bit to the under extracted it's not super to the left but it is that way a little bit so i mean you definitely got it interesting um which yeah man good job if i would have heard slender coffee i'd be like i what is that (laughs) like but i think you
0: got it oh sweet yeah this is fun yeah a little stressful but you know (laughs) A little bit Whew. all right we can take a load off my armpits are sweating gotta yeah, yeah. wipe that okay so uh dill you ready to talk about the episode yeah definitely all right here we go Today we're talking about episode 4 of Westworld Dissonance Theory. We begin with Bernard interviewing Dolores, and he tells her that she can become free by getting to the center of the maze. Suddenly, Dolores finds herself with William and Logan as they continue on their bounty hunt. Logan dispatches of their guide and discovers a rare narrative involving El Lazo. The man in black and Lawrence join forces with Armistice, the woman with the snake tattoo, to free Hector from prison. After freeing Hector, Armistice informs the Black Hat about a man named Wyatt, who killed her mother. Meanwhile, Teresa meets with Ford in the outskirts of the park to demand some answers about the glitches happening in Sweetwater. Ford demonstrates his godlike ability over the host and warns Teresa not to get in his way. Maeve's visions continue as she finds drawings of a strange figure and sees a doll resembling a man in a hazmat suit. Hector's gang arrives and Maeve pulls Hector into a closed room, asking him about the strange figure. Before QA busts down the door, Maeve cuts open her wound and discovers a bullet, confirming her suspic- suspicions of her visions being real events. The hosts fire through the door as Maeve says, I'm not crazy after all, and none of this matters, and passionately kisses Hector. So, Dill, what'd you think, man? Um, this episode. Yeah, I actually really liked this
1: episode a lot. Um, yeah. I think it... Actually has a really different vibe from the other episodes so far. But as a mm-hmm. whole I, I liked it. Um I enjoyed it. I think it focused a lot just on Westworld and like within the park and on those storylines. So yeah, right. I, I liked it. I think it was a fun episode. Uh what what'd
0: you think? I definitely agree. I give this episode a thumbs up. Um I would put it probably somewhere um below three. I would go maybe three four one i'm sorry no i put it below yeah three i'll go one three uh four two okay yeah i agree i agree uh but yeah going off what you said if it didn't feel like the episodes of the past and it it had a very western feel to it maybe it's because we're following the man in the black hat or black hat and it just almost felt like that was a whole other thing and that was like this uh classical western movie and i could i could just i could just count like all the different one liners that ed harris gave i was like oh my god that's straight out of like a clint, East, clint eastwood movie <laughs> you know what i'm saying
1: yeah for sure um yeah that's why it's weird it's like it was a different vibe from the other episodes and i liked it but i don't think I would want every episode to be like this, so i, I mm-hmm. think it worked for this, um but I think if like the next five episodes were like that I, I don't think I would like it because I think even though it's a different vibe is is different from the first few episodes in a good way for for a little right. bit, um but because yeah, it just felt more like we were watching a western and we were just kind of progressing within that, those those storylines um mm-hmm. it was interesting yeah because I was like, man, I noticed it's just like this episode is really different. So I did a little bit of research on it, and um, actually all four episodes so far have been directed by different people, apparently. Oh. And and the writers are have been a little bit different too. So I guess it seems like they pair two people as writers, and like so far within the first four episodes that we've watched, the directors are all different, and then the writers are kind of mixed up, so it ha- hasn't been the same pair. So that, hmm. that might go to, to show why episodes feel different kind of flow a little bit different which I, I think I like sure I, mean, sure I don't know if that's normal. I assume yeah. that might be normal in tv shows mm-hmm. but I, I don't know too much about that but I I appreciated however they did this episode
0: right yeah I don't know if it's uh normal but um the different shows that I watch I've noticed that too like with Atlanta mm. they have um typically um different writers in and the producers producers are all the same, but the writers and directors uh, might change. Hmm.
1: Yeah, which I, I think is good because then yeah. it's not just one person deciding how the whole show goes. And you kind of get a little bit mixed and change it up a bit. I think over the course of a season, if it's just one person, maybe it, it might not feel as um, dynamic, I guess.
0: Right, right.
1: Right. You mentioned the man in the black hat, and so I think that was one of the first things that we wanted to talk about. I was going to ask you um, what kind of thoughts you had on the man in the black hat's quest, because this one really gave the proportion of the episode to him, I feel like.
0: Oh, yeah, I I absolutely agree. I feel like this episode was all about his quest, even though we went back and forth between him and Ford and Maeve. Mm -hmm. Um, Really, this episode confirmed for me that he is a significant character and that this season might be ultimately building up uh into will be building up into something where he meets Ford or just something pops off where you know he's maybe killed or he kills someone very significant um just because yeah I I think the the past three episodes in which we're kind of doubting how important he was! He definitely showed up in this episode with his screen time, with his lines, um, just with his ambition to get to the center of this maze. So I, I really felt like he he uh, was living large in this this episode. And 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 the other characters really surrounded themselves. He was really surrounded by the other characters. Like everything was revolving really around him. Yeah,
1: yeah, I definitely agree. I think. I, I don't know if the writers knew that the viewers are kinda of doubting, is like, man, who who's this guy in the black hat? But yeah, he definitely comes out yeah. and he's like, Yeah, this guy is important. I think even in a in a line that he has one of the scenes, he talks about Arnold. Um, one of the one of the creators, mm-hmm. like Ford's partner, and I was like, Oh shoot, like he knows Arnold. You know, that means he like he, he's been around because in the first episode it shows that he's been around for, you know, at least thirty years is what he says. But he actually knows mm-hmm. like name basis like one of the creators of the park and he's uh that seems to be like motivating him like his knowledge and whatever past experience he has with westworld to kind of pursue this quest um so right. yeah i think that's an interesting point you make that maybe yeah the man in the black hat might be g- going up to meet ford you know or something um mm-hmm. i definitely see that as much more of a possibility this
0: time around He has a he. I feel like he has an unhealthy obsession with Arnold. I mean, Mm -hmm. he only mentions him really in this episode, but he had that whole um, monologue where he was talking to Armistice about Arnold, and then, or was it her or somebody else? But that's the that's when he said, you know, there's only one rule that you can't die. And he hasn't really mentioned Ford too much, Mm -hmm. I don't think. And so there just seems to be this this uh, magnetic force between him and Arnold. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and yeah, in, in
1: general too. Just like him and this whole game, this whole place, he's just like, is a little too obsessed. Maybe I, I don't know um, from mm-hmm. from our perspective. So yeah, it seems kind of interesting how he's. I mean, he's basically going all out, and he's trying to get into the deeper story of the game or or the the park, right. I guess. Um, and I I don't know that whole line was like, man, there's only one rule and you can't die. And then I think after that he says like, but Arnold broke his own rule. Cause as we found Ah. out in the third episode, you know, Arnold has some quote unquote accident and something happened. And so I'm like, is, is the man in the black hat also trying to just die? Like, like what, what is his motivation here? Because he's like, yeah, Arnold had this rule. He broke it. Then he's trying to find this next level to the game. Right. So oh,
0: I'm just like, is he that, trying to die here or something? Yeah, well that, yeah that's that's kind of freaky because now I'm thinking like, okay, Arnold is clearly dead, but he's not. Mm. You know what I mean? Like he's dead, but we're still talking about him. There's these voices going on. Ooh. So maybe if you die in in Westworld in Sweetwater, it's different. Huh? Interesting. So like, if he if he dies. Maybe he's hoping the same thing would happen to him that happened to Arnold. Now we don't know what happened to Arnold, but he still seems like he's around. So maybe there's like an immortality thing here going uh, on. I don't know. Yeah, that that's interesting because like even yeah,
1: like you said for for the hosts, they're hearing well, I we assume they're hearing like Arnold's voice or something. But then even for like the guest, like the man in the black hat, he's still also being motivated. He's not we don't think he's directly hearing Arnold's voice. But yeah, we're still talking mm-hmm. about it. It's still a big plot point. And um yeah, some type of immortality or something.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Very, very interesting. What did you think about um the whole reveal that uh, the man in the black hat's not actually a bad dude in real life? Oh, that's so weird. Um he, <laughs> I think they're sitting around the fire or
1: something, him and all those bandits. And there's some other guests there, I guess. And then they they go up to him. Like, you know, the, his friend urges the other guy. He's like, yeah, go talk to him or whatever.
0: Go and talk to him. Yeah, go talk <laughs> to him.
1: You know, he's like he's some like celebrity or something. And, and yeah, then right, he, he only right, gets right, like, like a couple out. lines out. But basically he's like, your foundation saved my sister or like something like that. And then right, the right. man in the black hat gets pissed. He's like, you know, one more word, <laughs> and I'm going to cut your throat, you know. He, he's he say he's on vacation. You know, cut your effing throat. Yeah, yeah, you know,
0: yeah. Or yeah. cut your throat, I'm on effing vacation. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I was like, whoa. Um, I think that little small scene, like, kind of just threw, threw another thing in there to be like, oh, yeah, all these people have lives outside of this.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: and kind of brings back yeah. that kind of idea. It's like, oh, well, yeah, what's the point of the park? Like, what happens here? Like what's the interaction between the guests and, and the park. So I, I was actually really surprised because mm-hmm. the man in the black hat does not seem like a nice guy in, in this game or in this Ooh. park. Um, Correct. Yeah,
0: I don't know. What what was your reaction to that? Yeah, honestly, it, you know, when I heard it, I was like, oh, oh, crap, you know. But then also I was like, oh, and just kind of like forgot about it mm. because everything he does is is like so terrible to, to people and to things so um it was like kind of like a nice little easter egg i guess yeah. but not like game changing
1: yeah it just seemed like a, a small thing but also it's just like a, a little little nudge a little reminder i think by the writers to be like right. yeah what you see here may or may not be the reality or maybe it is yeah maybe that's the question we're supposed to wrestle with like he's this really good guy yeah. in the real world but he kind of sucks mm. in, in this place. Mm-hmm. So which one is
0: actually him? But it's also a game. Yeah, Like this place is also a game, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. That, it, it's, ca- it's exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Wyatt kind of being revealed by Armistice as the person that the man in the black hat should go to? Like yeah. when he talks to Armistice, she's like, he goes by many names. <laughs> Some know him as... Wyatt.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I felt like the way she said it was so weird. (laughs) Yeah, she—I don't know what kind of accent she's supposed to have, but um, it's it's kind of weird. Yeah, I I was pretty surprised because I think we we talked about it a little bit previously when Wyatt was introduced for Teddy's backstory. Um, Mm -hmm. and we're just like, uh, doesn't seem like super important. It's just some dude, but now like Wyatt's mentioned again. Or armistice and like yeah. another backstory kind of thing. So I'm like, oh, does Wyatt actually play a pretty big part of this narrative, or, or you know, a little mm-hmm. bit more than we initially were led to believe? He wasn't like this new thing that they just wrote, maybe, or this is part of Ford's new uh, narrative. I, either way, I, I it's not it's mm-hmm. not super clear, sure, but it just seems like you know Wyatt will become much more important, and. Sure, yeah, and yeah. I think that's part of even, like, the storytelling strategy. It seems like, you know, every episode, there's just, like, a portion where it's just really small. Like, they don't give a lot of time to some particular point. But then they mm-hmm. make that a larger point in a, in a future episode, um, which yes. is what's happening with the man in the black hat here. So, yeah, so, you know, it makes me wonder that, yeah, like, who's Wyatt then? You know, he seems pretty mm-hmm. important. Um. Yeah, yeah, and even just speaking, like, kind of side note, like, man, I feel so bad for Teddy. Like, like in this episode, he basically <laughs> plays no role, but um, other yeah, than right. like he's he's on the tree, like hanging there, and then the man in the black hat yeah. pulls up, and I was like, man, is that Teddy? And then and then he goes up, and he's like, oh, Teddy, and he like cuts him down. I uh, just like, oh, <sighs> he's just slowly like. It's interesting. This episode, I think, another thing is just very interesting. Like the people you think are the main characters play a secondary uh-huh. role in this episode, I think. You know? mm. So, yeah, that was, that was interesting to me. Yeah, um, I guess we can go on to the next kind of part. The next major part is just uh, Ford's plans for the park. Uh, it seems and mm-hmm. you know, that was kind of hinted at in the previous episodes, and now in this one, there's this pretty big, I guess, pretty important scene, um, and between him and Teresa and just everything. So, yeah, what were some of your thoughts on that?
0: Ford is hella strong. I mean, he's um, the creator of the park. Um, he controls basically everything. And like he said, you know, he's literally a god in this world.
1: Yeah, that was super creepy. Not not going to lie. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like eating. You know, he, he basically does the ultimate power move on Teresa, they're, like, eating at their, like, little villa or whatever. And he's talking. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, every host in the area just freezes and stops moving. And, like, the guy pouring the wine just keeps pouring. And, like, like, whoa, hold up. You know, like, what's happening? And then Ford just goes on his little little rants. He's like, yeah, we are gods. You are our guests. You know? And I was like, I, I was really creeped out, to be honest, by him. Yeah. But.
0: That was a very tense scene. And everything... that scene was meant to intimidate Teresa I think the way that you know the the um, location where they sat at the table like he, he said you know we know our guests and our employees very well so he clearly has a plan and he's very thoughtful about how to get what he wants and he certainly gets what he wants
1: yeah, and like your your point, I think maybe from the first or second episode, where like yeah, maybe Ford is just this bad guy. I think is slowly like going that way in 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 some some ways, um, and I just find that really interesting. At least for me, I I didn't think that, and I I think I guess I was fooled by it, um, by his just kind of caring demeanor and whatnot. But you know, as time hmm. goes on, it's just like, yeah, what, what's he doing? I mean, it's not necessarily yeah bad yet, because we actually still don't know what he's doing with his new narrative and whatnot, Right, but it's just the way he goes about it is like, wow, this guy is like some, you know, mastermind, uh, manipulator kind of guy, and like, yeah, someone to be wary of, I guess. hmm Yeah, and I was just like, yeah, yeah, how do you even control the host? He's just sitting there, like, did he implant some code where, like, he has some connection with right. them or
0: whatever, but Yeah. He he has a lot of power, and um, people who have a lot of power are scary mm. because it's authoritative. I wonder if him having a lot of power, being almost like God over these hosts, is kind of like metaphorical in that a God shouldn't always be seen as all good. Mm. Because given that power, um, a God can also be bad, I guess. Yeah. Um, and whoever has that power might always, might not always have um, the interests of those who they control in mind. Yeah,
1: they might just want to maintain their own power. So sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it. It's almost this uh, meta, I guess, presentation where they're like the guests come to Westworld and they have power also because they can't die. Mm-hmm. They can do whatever they want in this yeah. park. But then the next level of it is like Ford has the ultimate power, right? You know, it's like the mm-hmm. guests come, they just want to go crazy, do whatever. And that's, yeah. that, and unless they become the man in the black hat. But that, that's a whole other thing. Um, but then sure. Ford has this other, just n- not even comparable level of power and influences. Like, what was he doing with it? Um, and, and yeah. Whatnot. So,
0: yeah, very, very interesting. And Ford and the company, Delos, they they don't always get along. And Ford referenced a specific, well, he didn't actually bring it up, but he said, you know, we have always almost made it work, Mm. kind of referencing that there could have been, there was a time where something didn't work out between the company and Ford's narrative building. Yeah.
1: Yeah, cause I think in the beginning, it, they, they, pre- they I assume on purpose, present Ford as this almost powerless, just kind of like old guy waiting around to retire slash die. <laughs> like that head writer is mm-hmm. talking to Teresa in that episode, and he's like, you know, I'm just, I'm on your side. You know, I, I just want Ford to get out of the picture, basically. But now mm-hmm. Ford is kind of like, we, we are revealed into actually how powerful he is. And it's not just yeah. all about this corporation, but Ford actually has a lot of influence and in, in the power as well.
0: Right, right. Hmm. hmm. Hmm, hmm, Yeah. So what did you think about Mave in this episode?
1: Yeah, that was super trippy, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I... Yeah, so it's, it's interesting because it seems like, you know, Maeve and Dolores in this episode are starting to remember some of the things like previous, not lives, but just previous days, you know, when they've died or whatever. And like, um, you know, QA comes and cleans them up, you know, that that scene where uh, she sees Teddy, you know, dead or something, um, you know, she, Maeve starts to remember these things. And she remembers like yeah. those doctors or whatever, those guys cleaning her up, like cutting into her, and then wearing those like hazmat suits and stuff. Um, and right. Yeah, I mean that's that's got to be super scary um, for from her perspective. Mm-hmm. And then like I I really like that scene where where she goes basically to her room and like draws um, a picture of the guy in the hazmat suit. And then because oh, yeah. she wa- she doesn't want to forget, right? She wants to like remember, like ah, oh, th- like this thing's just in my mind. And then, like, something happens where she she quickly wants to hide that drawing, and she pulls up the floorboard, mm-hmm. like, it's her secret hiding space, and she goes in, yeah. and then she, like, pauses and, like, pulls out all these other papers of the exact same drawing, and just, like, mm-hmm. oh, shoot, like, she gets the realization, we get the realization, is, like, this is not even close to the first time that this has happened to yeah. her. And she has forgotten right. about all those other times, but this is, like, the evidence, where like oh this has been going mm-hmm. ongoing, so I, I think that's just really really well done and really uh, well presented. So I mean I I liked it. Mm-hmm. I think it's just the slow unraveling of of the host and like their like sentience and, and their journey toward awareness. I guess. But, right. Yeah. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I I think that that one scene, that one shot where she finds all those drawings is kind of like a like just a a quick way to just let us know like oh snap this has been happening for a long time and um you know all these different artifacts or people that she encounters or faces whatever um that she sees kind of brings back these memories so it's like these objects in the world that are helping her to recall um you know you know the the whole background of of uh, sweetwater um. Yeah, so I think her 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 little part in this, or her her big part in this episode, really kind of shows up in the end, where uh, she finds that bullet that was uh, shot into her um, abdomen. Like, I wonder what's gonna happen afterwards. Like, when they clean her up, is she gonna still remember that? If, if is the bullet not gonna be there anymore? Obviously, it's not. But I don't know. What do you think?
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, is she just gonna go through the same song and dance again? You know, um, and mm-hmm. like, how long has it been going on? I guess, but it's right. uh, it's interesting that she basically chooses self harm to try to pursue this thought that she has. I think this idea mm. of like, oh yeah, I have this thought I just can't shake. Um, I think one that's like yeah. a very human kind of experience. Like, against all Mm -hmm. my, you know, logic and rationality, like, that Mm -hmm. can't be it. But, like, man, you just can't shake it. And I think that's something, that's, like, struggle that people have with a lot of different things. Whether, you know, very deep or not. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, back to the other episode with, like, Dolores, like, when she actually shoots Rebus, you know, it's like, oh. You know, it's like this, I guess, just further uh free will, I guess in some ways, like further development of like their own thoughts, like leading to action. Right, right. Um so yeah, I, I thought it was mm-hmm, really surprising. Mm-hmm. At first I thought she just wanted Hector to kill her. He was like, Oh yeah, just gut me or something. Oh. Like that, that's actually what I thought was happening. And he's like, Yeah just cut me and then I mean, but then she she actually yeah, was doing that. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. She screamed like she about died. She was like, Oh <laughs> like almost thought she was gonna sing an opera <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was a funny scene. So dramatic, but, I mean, I'm not a host. I wouldn't understand. Yeah. Yeah, that's... The things we do, right? The things we do to get to the bottom of things. The things we do to understand.
1: Yeah, and, like, I I don't know, maybe, like, because this is such a, like, world-shattering realization, like, maybe that adds to the weight of, like, her memory. Because this is so crazy, mm. maybe she's able to, like, sub, maybe, you know, subconscious or something to be, to be able to remember it more. Um, and then another point I thought was really interesting because she, when she was talking to Hector, they she was asking him about the natives, I guess, that they have in the park, mm-hmm. and like they also know about these people. Um, right? Like they they call the guy in the hazmat suit uh, like a shade, the guy that walks between yeah. the worlds which is very, like, mm-hmm. you know, lore and and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I thought that was super interesting. I, I don't know if you had thoughts on that.
0: Um, yeah, I, I thought that was um, an interesting little tidbit to add to kind of build on the whole um, discovery. And I thought it was funny when the little girl dropped her doll and then made fix it up. He's like, oh, I've seen this before. And then she asked the soldier, and he's like in in a real like southern accent he's like that thing's a part of their so-called religion <laughs> <laughs> and none of them's going to tell you about that <laughs> yeah um but yeah i uh i think um i think Maeve's onto something she's definitely a, a host that is curious and and is investigating And then you have hosts like Teddy who just don't care and he's, well, maybe he don't, maybe he doesn't not care. It's just, he feels so helpless maybe. And he just like lives his, he lives his, his, lives his life, his narrative. And then we have someone like Dolores who's kind of like caught in the middle. Mm. Like she's still just trying to figure out like, okay, should I search deeper into this to find my freedom? Or should I just, you know, try and spend my life with Teddy, even though I know his narrative doesn't line up with mine. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I, with Maeve, I just like that ending scene when, when you know, when they find that bullet and then they, they ask like, you know, her and Hector, are just like, yeah, so what's that mean? And she's like, well, mm-hmm. none of this matters. And they just start making out, yeah. <laughs> which, was, which yeah. was kind of funny. And then I, I assume that they just get shot up, but yeah. yeah, but that, that's really like the question then like, yeah, does anything matter? And like, how will they wrestle with that thought?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, any uh, kind of random bits that you thought were interesting
1: Um. yeah I think going back to, to one of the points I said earlier like they just kind of present a small preview of something that'll be a big deal in the next episode or coming episodes because like, there's mm-hmm. also this kind of like B plot or I don't know like D plot I guess there's so much going on in every yeah. episode but you know with William right. and Logan and Dolores and they're out like on that bounty hunt or whatever and then it yeah. ends up you know being revealed that the guy they're they're capturing works for this guy named El Lazo or something and mm-hmm. then apparently that means something to Logan cuz Logan immediately just shoots the host that they're with and he's like yeah we're going to take this guy to El Lazo or he's going to take us to him um so yeah, he knows. yeah and he calls it an easter egg so that's very interesting oh um, so it's, it's like more than just another narrative maybe um, and mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm interested to see what that's all about. Cause they basically gave us like nothing
0: <laughs> to go on. That's, but, um, yeah. that's crazy. I just, uh, I just real quick Google translated El Lazo uh, and guess what it means in English? Uh,
1: I don't know. The loop. The loop. Yes.
0: Mm. And they kept talking about like with QA and just different people, how these hosts are in a loop. Yeah. Right. And Hector, he's in this loop where he's constantly in the prison. He doesn't really die, I guess, yeah. but he's just in this loop. Oh. So, the loop. Very interesting. Yeah, I think there
1: is the, the attention to the detail in the show is just kind of crazy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, with even things like that, <laughs> just another random thing. Like, the, the girl's name is Arm- Armistice which is like ceasing mm-hmm. fire or whatever, you know, like you, you have a truce, mm-hmm. but then her and Hector are the yeah. bandits that shoot everyone. Um, so it's like very <laughs> ironic um, that they chose that name. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Any other random tidbits
0: that, that kind of stood out to you in this episode? Um. Holy, holy moly, man. Uh, Dolores's face. When um, that, that guy grabs her and she grabs him back. Yeah. She looked like a, like a demon mm-hmm.
1: yeah I, I was wondering what was going on with that like our where, where was the control center like trying to reel her back in because they kind of like talked about it but yeah mm-hmm. that was like well she was scary. off her loop yeah that's true yeah and then but then william i guess kind of saves her by coming back in but yeah that mm-hmm. was like super scary um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it just like shows how, how like committed she is to basically make her own decisions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like, what's about her right. going down? Like, is she going to kill someone else right now or what?
0: Mm-hmm. Like, is she going to break his arm? Cause they probably all have similar strengths. Oh, I don't that's know. true. Uh, maybe they're all super strong. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that was pretty freaky. But yeah. Any, any other thoughts on the episode?
0: No, I think there's probably. I mean, I mean, yes, there's certainly more to talk about, but I think we're just gonna have to wait till episode five.
1: Yeah, and you know, four episodes in now, I'm still, I'm still hooked. Um, I'm still really looking forward to all the things that are gonna happen. Like, even though every episode just has like it's just so packed in there, but at the same time, like it doesn't feel overwhelming. Um, it, it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm still continually impressed with the production
0: quality. Basically, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely next level. Same here, man. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say, what's making you happy this week, Dil?
1: What's making me happy? So, I, I know it's, it's a little on the nose, and like, I know I'm gonna try not to do this in the future, but uh, this podcast is making me really happy. Um, oh, hearts, um, oh, uh, but yeah, for, for real, I think. I mean, the whole process of just going and learning about it has been uh, really exciting and just fun for me. But also, you know, Mm because last week after our third episode uh, published, I posted, like, on my Facebook and, like, Instagram and whatnot, like, officially announcing that, oh, yeah, we we got this podcast, by the way. And um, it really just, uh, we saw this huge spike in uh, people listening. So I think I checked before we Mm -hmm. started recording, I think we currently have 165 downloads of our episodes. Wow. Um, so, yeah. I mean, compared to some other podcasts, that's like nothing. But um, that, that's a pretty big deal, I think. Us that's, just coming together, uh, yeah. put our thoughts in and kind of put that out in the world. And a bunch of people have been listening. So, yeah. You know, it's,
0: it's exciting. Kind of the whole process. And I, I've enjoyed it a lot. Mm-hmm. You know what, Dill? I'm going to just ride on that positive wave and just agree with you. This podcast is definitely something I look forward to on Sundays. It's a nice little hobby, I think, that we have, and it certainly makes me a little bit more reflective going into the work week. Mm. And so I definitely really enjoy the time we spend over uh, the air, and I hope that uh, the people listening do have fun. Um, And we're always trying to improve which I think is something I need more in my life, mm. just personal development and um, you know discipline to some extent too. And so this podcast is definitely a bright spot in my day.
1: yeah, yeah and I, I really enjoy like the feedback. Um, I, I don't know uh, for you but at least for me, like different people, I just kind of told him, he's like, yeah, you know, I listened to the podcast, you know, I liked it or like, you know, whatever they had different thoughts like, what? or like even, you know, like Matthew giving me some beans to try because he's like, yeah, I, I'm really into coffee. Like, you know, and then he roasted it and it's like, hey, yeah, here you can talk about it on the podcast if you want. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I, I've enjoyed the feedback and just uh, also interesting, you know, because our, our stats show us like where people like generally are like where people are listening and um, I, I think yep. this past week we were looking at it and we're like, oh, co- Columbus is our number one uh, audience base, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so I, I found and that. And now it's Plano. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Columbus and then Plano. Plano makes sense because that's where I live. And Columbus, um, is, I guess, that's kind of close to you, but that's not where you live specifically. So I, I was kind of surprised. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. And we have a couple international listeners. Um, I think we mm-hmm. had one in like South Africa, Sweden. The UK. Namibia. Yeah, so it's it's cool um, just to, you know, put our thoughts and then people are kind of listening and, and engaging with it. And I, I've had a few different people tell me that they've started watching Westworld now. So,
0: oh, yeah. I'm surprised that so many people don't, haven't seen it already. Yeah, that's
1: actually pretty common. Like, you know, I people are like, oh, I saw you start a podcast. I actually don't watch Westworld. And I was like, oh, well, we don't either. So now, now the, <laughs> we've all started. <laughs> but yeah I, 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 not significant or uh, yeah significant portion of people have been like yeah cool you start podcasts, podcast but I don't I don't watch Westworld or I haven't seen <laughs> it mm-hmm. But yeah yeah well thanks as always for pouring it over with me Joe and thank you all that are listening along with us uh, we really appreciated the positive feedback we've received. Please keep reaching out, helping us make the show even better. I uh, really like hearing from people, um, even if it's you know constructive criticism, telling us yeah things they liked and maybe things they thought could be a little bit better. But yeah, it's a whole process. I, I, I like it and learning together. So, join us next time for more coffee and more Westworld,
0: and uh, keep on brewing, y'all. This was a Pour Over Podcast brought to you by Joe and Dill. You can email us at pourovershow at gmail.com and tweet us at, at pourover underscore show. Our out, artwork is by Daniel Liu. Find him on Instagram at Here Comes Daniel. Music is by Joshua Yin. You can listen to his other tracks on soundcloud.com slash kidmajestic. One word. Thanks for joining us and take care.